What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we've got a really special interview lined up. We have Tom Smith, the CEO and founder of Daddy Kit, here to talk about disrupting the male fertility space. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Gally. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm a huge fan of the show and uh, excited to be here. Yeah. And so I want to give people the, a quick background story about how I found your startup. It's kind of a quirky business. Um, you emailed me like out of the blue, uh, you know, talking about Daddy Kit. And I was like, wow, this is kind of an interesting startup, funny name, you know, sperm testing and storage, not something I was too familiar with, kind of a taboo industry. And then the more I kept having these conversations, um, it kept pop bringing up and like, my roommate would show me an article about, you know, uh, sperm rates or fertility rates for males decreasing rapidly. Um, and just the more I thought about it and I was like, wow, this actually has huge potential. The way people make babies today is kind of the old fashioned way. Like we did when we were cavemen, like we haven't brought any technology into this. Um, maybe that could change. And there's an industry with, you know, decades that has stayed the same for decades that you are finally bringing technology to. So I thought this was a really, really interesting story. Actually, I became an investor, full disclosure, my biggest investment um, beyond t Tesla and, and SpaceX because at non Elon companies, because I was so I just believe in, in what you're doing so much here. Um, so I'm cur curious if you could tell us, you know, what what is Daddy and, and what's your product? Yeah, so our, our mission at Daddy is to normalize the conversation around male reproductive health. And and the male part is, is, is the really uh, important part there. Um, we have a service today called Daddy Kit. Um, it's a, a at-home collection service where a kit gets delivered to your home. Uh, so in the comfort and security, um, you can collect into our cup, you put the cup back into the kit, hand the kit to FedEx, and within 24 hours, you receive a complete fertility report, and then we store that deposit for free for a year. Um, the kit itself is $199. The storage, the annual storage fee is $99, and that's actually an order of magnitude more affordable than the existing industry, meaning if you went to a local sperm bank, for example, and tried to get your fertility tested and stored, that would cost you $1,500 to $2,000. And again, given that our mission is to normalize the conversation, increasing access to the service through affordability was a key component to the equation. Yeah, and, and it's so, you know, that's what really got me hooked is when I really looked more and more into this, I was like, not only is it way cheaper, and you're really, I love your customer centric focus of like, instead of all these, you know, diversified random clinics around the, around the scattered around the country, like your one uh, service really, really fo focused on this, much cheaper. Uh, I'm assuming, I think you guys give much faster results too. Um, than the status quo, much cheaper. And then also like, it's just a much better experience for someone. They can do it in the comfort of their home. They don't have to go into a facility. So I thought that was really incredible, um, especially in this time of, of COVID. Um, and actually kind of like a side tangent, you, you mentioned to me in one of our conversations, a partnership with Johns Hopkins that was born out of this um, COVID situation. Do you mind telling us that? Because that to me, I was like, wow, this is, it really showed the power of what you're building. Yeah, so I think like in, in the idea of trying to build a modern service, we've made a number of decisions that kind of we thought kind of fulfilled future vectors. And one of them was the convenience of being able to, to do it at home. But one of the things we didn't anticipate was the overall need that would come from that. You know, during this COVID-19 period, um, what we ultimately saw was fertility centers all over the country closing. Um, and one of the net results for us was our at-home collection kit was effectively a shelter-in-place collection kit. Um, so we had a number of institutions, one being John Hopkins, as you mentioned, ultimately asking us to help support during that time. They asked, can we send customers who are in, you know, time-sensitive need to store? That could be individuals on the oncology space, for example, that, you know, very rapidly need to store before they begin cancer treatment. 
-hmm. And can we help step in and, and, and support those individuals? So through that partnership and a number of others, you know, we're rapidly starting to expand the distribution of daddy and the awareness of the service. Yeah, that's so cool. And I, you know, not only are you doing uh, sperm testing and storage in a much better way than the status quo, you know, leveraging this direct to consumer model, but there's also a huge trend where basically not enough males are getting tested. You know, we're having waiting later and later to have babies. The need for sperm testing and storage is going to increase rapidly. And then kind of on the back of that, um, I, or maybe you could fill us in first on that, of this, this sort of educational component and, you know, I think a lot there's a big misconception that females are usually the the problem with infertility when it actually a lot of it's on the man and daddy is really you know tackling that problem head on. Yeah, no, you, I mean you're you're exactly right. So for us, when we were first starting to first decide to start this this business, we are, we saw a huge opportunity to modernize the service I just described. The second opportunity was really around education. You know, the the subject of fertility is is pretty well. Um, known in society, you know, very broadly, but there's a massive misconception. And that misconception is that infertility is directly linked just to the woman, just to the female. You know, when in reality, you know, one in six, one in seven couples today can't get pregnant, um, really helps to support the idea that you know, infertility is a systemic issue. When those individuals can't get pregnant after a year of trying, they go into a fertility center. Um, both the man and the woman get tested. And what you discover when you look at the data is not that infertility is a female factor related issue, but really it's both male and female factor. 50% of the time, the root cause of the infertility is female factor. 50% of the time, the root cause of the infertility is male factor. Yet in society, if you took a poll, for example, of, of you know, their, your subscribers, and you said, isn't fertility a male or female related issue? I would suggest that the vast majority of them would say that it's almost exclusively a female related issue. So at Daddy, we saw a huge opportunity in bringing to light the fact that the male factor is just as significant as the female factor and has just as significant of an impact and that there's a real gender parity idea here in the subject of, of infertility. But then secondarily, for couples who are looking to understand their level of fertility and for couples who have experienced issues in the past, we really recommend that the male factor be investigated first because ultimately our service is much more affordable. It's extremely accessible. Um, and really, it's about aiming into a cup and putting it into the male versus the female side, which involves much more invasive, much more stressful and much more expensive procedures to gauge their level of fertility. Yeah. And I love how you're really, you know, tackling the stress head on and making it easier for people. Like, I think that's a really awesome mission. And it seems like this has had really, really good traction. Like you're only about a year, year and a half since launching this in the wild. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how many customers and, and the traction you've actually seen from this product? Because that, that was what impressed me is like, not only is the idea awesome, but like, it seems like this is in the wild and working product market fit for this initial use case is really gaining serious traction. Yeah, so in 2019, which is our, our first year of operation, uh, we serviced all 50 states, um, thousands of customers, uh, we actually serviced 1100 unique cities. Uh, which also helps to reinforce the idea that this is systemic. When you look at our kind of engagement, really our customers map the population. The most populous states, we have the most customers in. The most populous cities, we have the most customers in. And it helps to support that really customer or individuals all over the country are trying to find solutions to these problems. And um, and really what we're trying to hope, hope to ultimately do is bring data to many, as many of those people as possible. Given the, the kind of breadth of our, our, our data set, we're actually able to amass a much clearer picture of the overall landscape of fertility for men in, in, in the country. 
And through these efforts, we hope to then begin to, to roll out a number of academic programs and research programs to help, help us take that whole program to the next level. Oh, wow. Really cool. So partnering with academia to sort of help you make sense of all this data that you're collecting. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, we're made up of, of a number of operators and, and product developers really at Daddy. Um, to be able to operate successfully and, and responsibly, we've surrounded ourselves with a number of, you know, really top tier medical professionals. Some of those are kind of rooted in academia. Um, you know, one of our, our primary advisors, a guy named Dr. Michael Eisenberg out of Stanford University, and we actually have hope later on this year to running a number of different research programs to help add value back to the industry. Cool. And so another thing that got me really excited about Daddy was your personal background and just you in general. Um, so I'm curious if we could take a step back and you could tell us that because I know you were in the tech industry, kind of like a hustler, Apple fanboy. Um, I assume that's why you like Tesla so much, those kind of forward thinking tech totally. products. So talk to us about your journey to uh, like as a personal entrepreneur. Yeah, so um, I'm Canadian originally, so I'm from Toronto. Um, I then went to the London School of Economics for my undergrad. Um, and then right out of college, I was lucky enough to join Apple's first iPhone team. Um, and that was actually on the iPhone growth side. Uh, so when I joined, the iPhone was only in one carrier in the US and one carrier in, in the UK, O2 UK and AT&T US. And really over the next year, I was a part of a, a six person team to roll out the iPhone across, across all the countries and carriers around the world. I was the junior analyst on the team. My, my input was very, very limited, but I got unbelievable exposure uh, to really the hottest product on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I then had a number of other years uh, at Apple. I worked in R&D, corporate retail, um, operations, and then my last role was on Siri. Um, following Apple, I started um, two other software companies. Uh, the last one and the more notable one was one called Imoji, which was a digital sticker company. Um, we then later sold it to Giphy, uh, which actually just got acquired by Instagram. And what's really cool is um, Imoji, which is the digital sticker component, is really the, the element that you see inside of um, Instagram stories and Snap stories. That's so, so cool. So um, what, like the sticker company, like what was, like why did you decide to create a company that would sell virtual stickers? Like I'm just curious, what was the thesis there? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it's similar to, to the whole daddy experience. It really came through observation. Um, you know, what we noticed was right when we started Emoji, Emojis had just launched on the iPhone. Um, and we saw just so much communication utility involved in these little assets. You know, when you combine that with what was happening in Asia in the time with Line and Kakao and WeChat, with large kind of digital sticker marketplaces, we saw an opportunity to kind of bring um, that same idea, but democratize it through, through user-generated content. And uh, we were able to launch the service. It started off as a really simple kind of camera app where you take a picture and cut your face out. Uh, we then rolled out an artist community and eventually got our content into hundreds of other applications. Um, and when we sold our, our company to Giphy, we were doing billions of sticker impressions every month. Um, now that wow. number is exponentially higher that it's in Instagram and Snap. Um, but no, it's, it's been really, really cool seeing the kind of genesis of the idea all the way through. That's really cool. And what gives you confidence of being able to pivot to like a, a medical s sort of startup? And I know this is so tech enabled and that's really your secret sauce of daddy is adding that software tech sort of component. Um, and that's sort of one of my favorite things, Elon Musk, you know, software world going into cars with no experience. They kind of famously don't want to hire car industry people. So yep. do you think that sort of move fast tech mentality has really served you here in an industry that probably doesn't have much of that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think what was important for us was that we had the right values and the right level of capabilities in the team, not if you started in a medical background. So um, most of the individuals on the team really came from, you know, a, a technology style background, an operation style background. And really, I think that's allowed us to look at this space with fresh eyes. Um, take a look at, again, putting the customer in the center of the experience and ultimately trying to design something that we would want to use. Um, when you look at the existing industry, there is not a single service that exists out there that you want to use. Um, and we've really tried to make it as simple as possible. Awesome. And so I see you're in your uh, beautiful Brooklyn HQ right now, um, socially distancing, of course. Um, of course. So, uh, that looks awesome. And I, we were supposed to actually do an in-person like kind of get some more dynamic content before COVID. So I'm still hoping we can set that up at one point because um, I can't wait to tour the office and check it out. But I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about Daddy, the company? Like you're a startup. I obviously invested because I'm, I'm really pumped about the opportunity. Um, but, you know, how do you think about raising capital and what's sort of the status of the company? Yeah, so um, we had a really, really great 2019. Uh, we were able to raise uh, a total of $7 million in, in, in total. Um, you know, for us, as we kind of look forward, we're very focused on trying to build a world-class service. Um, and we're really trying to focus on, on trying to take what we've already established and, and build it out to scale and, and build it out to scale responsibly. Um, one thing that's really exciting for us is though, similar to our experience with Daddy Kit, we see a number of opportunities in the fertility uh, arena. We actually call it the fertility stack. Um, where the same behavior that existed on the male side, which was kind of complacency and, 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 and a lack of modernization, can, can ultimately be applied. So as a, as a group and as a company, we're certainly focused on the future. Uh, we're certainly focused on what we're doing right now, but we've got a keen eye on what we want to build next. Yeah, it sounds like such a huge, exciting opportunity that you guys are finally like applying data and software to this space. It makes me so excited. So this is kind of an off-the-cuff idea, but I'm curious what you think about like the idea of a syndicate or raising money, this is kind of something I've been personally looking into for other reasons, but I feel like Daddy is the perfect opportunity of like, you have customers who are probably using this service, saying, seeing how awesome it is, seeing how m much potential there is. Um, you're an amazing like growth story, like, you know, hyper-focused on solving this big problem. Like, what's your opinion of like a syndicate or like trying to let, you know, your customers invest earlier and maybe even at a higher level of just that whole, you know, that's something that's really fascinating me, this idea of like, it's really frustrating as a technology investor to just not have access to all these amazing companies. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great point. Um, you know, I think on a personal level at Daddy, we're, we're really a group of people that are, are open to change. Um, we're we're uh, flexible in the way that we envision things and, and, and view opportunities. And I think the idea of, you know, trying to create almost a long tail, you know, investment opportunity, I think would, would, would be something we'd absolutely look at. Um, I think what's, what's really interesting, if you think about it from a market perspective is, you know, ultimately a lot, companies are staying private a lot longer um, and really IPOing at stages, you know, far, far later in their overall development. And that doesn't allow kind of retail and early investors to get in at that earlier stage. So kind of the model that you're helping to articulate, I think certainly could work well for companies like Daddy, but even more broadly. Yeah, totally. And so um, now back to Daddy, t talk to us about like, can you, what, what can you say to get me excited? Because I'm curious of like, so we haven't seen any innovation in 40 years in this space. Now you're coming in startup, VC funded, moving really quickly, breaking things, software, um, you know, 
I feel like the pace of innovation of male fertility services is just going to skyrocket basically because of what you're doing and the change you're going to usher in. Um, so what gets you really excited? And I guess, you know, what, what do you tell investors to get them really excited about, um, you know, the next 40 years? What, what gets us really excited today um, is seeing our reaction from our customers. Um, you know, it, it was a really amazing um, uh, day kind of last fall when we eventually kind of found out that our, one of our earlier uh, requested use of their deposit customers um, was able to, to achieve a pregnancy. Um, and we actually all kind of celebrated internally and it was, it was a day that we marked on the calendar because it was ultimately the, the first time that we were able to help a couple actually create a life. So um, cool. And it's really- Congrats. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm coming from digital stickers and then I walk into this space and, and the importance <laughs> of what we're doing, you know, couldn't, couldn't be more real. So um, I think the thing that really gets us out of bed every morning is understanding that we actually begin to play a significant role in, in people's lives. Um, and given the kind of level of support that existed previously and the options that existed previously, we see an increasing need for us to be doing this work. Um, and that's why I think as an organization, you know, values and mission is really at the center uh, of, of a lot of our decision making. Um, and it will continue to be as we continue to add capabilities into the future. Yeah. And that's what really, you know, I'm a big believer in this, invest in the future you believe in. And that's why daddy, you know, it took me a while to really realize it, but I was like, what you're really doing is kind of helping people start families and making that easier, removing stress and sort of a lot of taboos around that, that cause a lot of families, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of stress. And like, that's just something that I think, you know, is a real needed problem in society that will always be there. And I totally get the trends. I mean, I'm a millennial, I'm 27. Like, you know, my parents were probably thinking about having kids at my age. I'm not really, you know, so I can clearly see that this is all going that direction. And I guess you kind of put you on the spot. Like if you think 10 or 20 years ahead, you know, what is that number of in vitro fertilization? You know, how many, what percentage of babies get made, um, you know, in vitro versus the old fashioned way going forward? Because uh, I think daddy is, e even if that doesn't really increase, I still think this could be an amazing business, but where this becomes like a huge game changer is if you guys really ride that tidal wave. Um, so do you think that's going to happen? Test two babies? It's kind of a very weird, um, you know, sort of ethical question. I personally am like still thinking through it, but um, I have to think that it will go up because technology can only help inform us with data about, you know, the decisions we make. So I'm really curious if, if you see that going up as a percentage of, of babies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of our kind of centered forward vectors um, that we think is, is ultimately going to be the case. You know, when you think about uh, habits, right, people are, are starting to have babies later in life. Um, you know, environmental factors are affecting fertility levels and the need continues to grow. Um, I do believe that there will be, and this this is kind of verging a little bit more on the science fiction uh, than, than fiction I love side. It. Let's go there. <laughs> uh, but I do fundamentally believe that if the technology continues to get better, there will be kind of an inflection point moment where from a health standpoint, there's actually a greater importance and need to be uh, creating a life through IVF, for example, than doing it from a natural standpoint. We are by no means at that level. Um, you know, right now, everything is really guided by need. The individuals that are doing IVF are doing it because it's a, it's a need based. Uh, but I do believe that as the technology continues to increase and improve, uh, there will be that inflection point where people are doing it, not because of need, but because of desire and want and the benefits that come from from creating a life um, through in vitro. So let's, let's get crazy with the technology. Is it 
this whole designer baby concept, which is even probably weirder ethical territory, but I'm personally very curious. I have to think some people, humans are going to be interested in if I could see the stats of all my potential babies and sort of pick the, you know, tallest, smartest, fastest version of myself to have as an offspring. Is that like a realistic future at all that that could actually happen in 50 to 100 years or because I feel like if any company would be in a position to sort of capitalize on that it would be daddy but I'm just curious from like a technology standpoint if that's even remotely feasible yeah I mean I think that the time frames you just mentioned there um I think are more than enough to to help achieve some of the things that that a number of groups are ultimately working on I mean I think from from a daddy standpoint we're really just focused on trying to you know, perform a very focused service today and perform at the highest medical services, uh, medical levels. Um, you know, again, we are working on a number of future initiatives and are, are trying to add back on an academic level um, to, to improve the knowledge base. Um, but I think that the future you are describing is, is certainly possible. And um, if I was a, if I was a betting guy, I would say it's very, very likely to happen. So I'm also curious, um, going back to this new kit you've developed, because um, that's sort of the status quo of Daddy now, pulling back from that 50-year future, I guess. Um, you know, you're actually, uh, you've, you've come out this V2 of the kit. So can you tell us a little about what those uh, improvements you made from V1? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, um, right here, this is the old Daddy kit, um, Daddy kit version one, um, which is kind of now kind of large and, and unwieldy. Uh, this is our second generation kit. So this is Daddy Kit 2. Um, and some of the kind of key factors that are included inside of this kit is, you know, number one, the new kit doesn't need to be refrigerated. Um, this is a total product innovation that Daddy has pioneered. Um, we've also heavily patented it. Um, but it allows us to basically ship out a kit um, at room temperature and allow it to exist at room temperature. And again, maintain that internal temperature band on the inside. Mm -hmm. um, another thing we've really focused on, and it's really at the core of our value set, is security. Um, you know, one of the things that we have kind of also pioneered is in this new kit is on the bottom of all the different daddy cups, we've actually laser etched a, a nine digit number and a QR code, which a customer uses to actually register the kit um, once they receive it. But we've also nested a security band on the inside of the kit, which also has a custom barcode on it. Wow. And at our new fulfillment center, we scan both the security band and the cup itself. And in our systems, we link them. And the importance of that is when the kit arrives back at the lab, our lab techs will actually scan the security band that's linked on the outside, which is tam tamper proof, scan the bottom of the cup and ensure that they again match when they, when they arrive at the lab. And the importance of that is, you know, in given the importance of, of, of what we're actually shipping, um, it's, it's, it's paramount that no one else has gone into that kit and tampered with any of the materials. And what we saw when we were first developing the product is an opportunity to take that same level of technical sophistication that we were describing earlier and applying it to the security and privacy of, of this product. And now our kind of general viewpoint is if, if you have a direct consumer product that involves any sort of biological matter, anything that is, that is personal in nature, there should be a two-factor authentication security component to it that ensures that no one tampers with it in, in, in transport. And anything that doesn't have it, we ultimately don't deem to be safe. That's awesome. And that's one thing that I really have been impressed learning because I, you know, we've behind the scenes had a couple calls. I've been learning about trying to do my homework on the company. And just every time the way you think through 
uh, just like the care that you take at every level of the business and really think through like what's best, not getting ahead of it, not rushing it, but really, because this is a very important business. Like, um, you know, I, and what attracted me to this is like, man, the, the recurring nature of this business is huge, but it's all about trust. And I think daddy is really building a really strong trust and really strong brand. Um, and the way you guys are pushing the envelope of like, we don't really need to do this. It wasn't a problem, but we want to make sure that this is setting up for the future. It should be tamper proof. So I really love that sort of like really thorough methodological or kind of like just the way you think through everything and do it really well um, was really impressive. So I love that ethos of kind of the brand because I think it's so, so important. And I'm curious if you could talk to us also about, you know, that sort of relationship that you have with the customer and sort of how this, you know, year free of storage works um, and sort of beyond just this, you know, initial test sort of transaction. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we found um, in launching the service for the first 18 months is um, our customers are broad. Uh, so our initial thesis was that this service would appeal to kind of an aging millennial, someone in their early 30s who are maybe thinking about uh, starting a family. What we quickly discovered is although our kind of average and median is still around that age group, you know, we have customers in their teens and we have customers in their 70s. Um, and what that really proposes, or what that really the challenge that exists there is making sure that we have the right level of service and the right level of support for individuals at every single stage of life. Um, and ultimately, one of the other things that we, we discovered was that when you, when you have an individual engaging with the service, what they're ultimately doing is exposing themselves. And what I mean by that is, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, you can kind of assume on some level that everything is fine. And although everything physically could look fine, it becomes a very different thing when you look at it under a microscope. So one of the things that we've always tried to consider, and this is a key part of our relationship with customers, is honoring that courage, honoring someone who wants to take a proactive step, understand their fertility level and get tested. Um, and the way that we try to honor it is by providing a simplified top of class service. And a great example of that is after you return your, your, uh, your kit to FedEx, you'll actually receive your complete fertility report within 24 hours. Within 24 hours heading your FedEx, it comes to you. When you look at the existing industry, not only on, on sperm testing and storage, but let's say DNA testing or STD testing, you know, how many times have you taken an STD test and let's say waited a week to receive your results? Um, so one of the things that we've really tried to develop with our customers is, is that idea of trust and is honoring the courage that they put forward when engaging in our, with our service. Similarly, um, on the storage side, as you were saying, it is an incredibly sticky business, um, certainly with a long-term uh, focus. And that's why we see in, in the existing industry, very, very long-term storage, um, uh, storage lengths. But I think one thing that was very important for us when first designing the service was, was ensuring that we're pricing the long-term storage at a level that is accessible and that doesn't take advantage of customers. In the existing yeah. industry today, you can pay $1,000 a year to store wow. your sperm. Um, for us, we've priced it at $99 so that it doesn't become a decision that someone has to make based off of a need, or it doesn't have to be a decision that ultimately comes at the cost of, of not doing something else, but instead something that they can feel secure and comfortable with in the long term. Yeah. And it's crazy because I think of what you're really also selling with that service is sort of peace of mind. Like anything happens to you, any accident, you know, you have this sort of backup. And to me that what you said about like ignorance is bliss really hit home because I feel like that's my entire 
cohort of kind of like, okay, like we don't really want to have babies yet. Like we never go to the doctor, but like we all kind of know in the background, like we're reading all these articles about sperm count decreasing. We know we're having babies much later than our parents and much later than our grandparents. So we see this, but we're sort of like, to me, it seems crazy that you wouldn't get put technology and know your data. You know, I have my phone app with the health app and I've been obsessed with tracking my steps, 10,000 steps. Like, you know, what's my data here? Like there's just such a thirst to get more and more data and know about what your body's doing. And I think there's huge potential to use that data to improve the way our lives work. And I almost think daddy's coming at such a clutch time. Imagine how many people, if this didn't exist, would figure out when it's too late to totally. that they're, you know, infertile. And it's like, oh, if you had just stored this, you know, a decade ago when you were at peak fertility, which according to the education is pretty, you know, this is like 101 here, um, you could have saved your ability to start a family, which is one of the most important things in life. And so that peace of mind that I think you're selling is to me why personally, I think this is something that I could see a lot of my friends getting and a lot of people getting once like you, you're at a bar or maybe not a bar because of COVID, but you're on this, uh, a Zoom hangout. And one of your yeah. friends was like, oh, I got tested. And like, luckily I did because my sperm count was way lower than I thought. And I'm really pumped that I'm at least going to be able to store it for now. Um, and then I could see everyone else being like, oh, like I should definitely get tested too, you know, the second their friend does. So I kind of see a weird viral component to this or a weird way that this could actually really take off. And because you've made it so accessible, like you're the reason that it could go viral. Like you're the reason that this actually will work and take off and people will get tested. Um, and you're really moving the needle on that because you, you know, a 10th the cost, do it at home, make it friendly for millennials with the, with the report that looks really sleek. Like this is what, what we've kind of been waiting for. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's one of those products where they, I think they say like great products, like expand the market, right? Cause they make it easier and frictionless. And I really, totally. th to me, this is like in a huge, huge way. It really does that. Yeah, no, I, I could, honestly could not, could not agree with you more. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we're, we certainly put a lot of messaging out there as, as an organization, as a group, and we never want to focus on the fear side of the equation. Um, but just to give you a statistic that really helped to put everything into focus for me in the earlier stages is one in 10 men um, are actually naturally infertile. Um, and what that means is, and it is a spectrum, you know, in some cases there's no ability to procreate. In some cases there's, there's a limited or an impacted ability to procreate. Um, but what that ultimately means is your ejaculate and the volume and the look of it with the naked eye could look totally normal. And we have customers sending in deposits every single day where the amount of volume is, is, is within the normal parameters and range. But when you look at it under a microscope, there's either, there's often, there's sometimes no live sperm. Um, wow. And what we're really trying to do is not push individuals towards fear, but instead help them understand um, that the importance of this, help them understand by getting a test that it actually increases your ability to make more informed decisions. And through this accessibility and the price points that you described, we tried to make it as easily and simple as possible to try to eliminate those barriers. Yeah, it's sort of like trying to make it something that's more empowering, like we're giving you totally. data to see what you can do, more options. Um, well, thank you so much, Tom. This has been super, super fascinating. Um, I feel really like privileged to be able to be an investor and be involved because I see a huge, huge opportunity. And really, the more and more I've thought about it, like this is really, you know, we need this. This is really doing doing good and solving a lot of problems uh, for a lot of guys already and potentially much, much more. So I cannot wait to follow it. I'm sure we're, I'm going to tease a little bit because I hope at one point when this is all over, I can get into the office and we can do like a really cool live uh, video. So people will have to stay tuned for that. And then we can see, uh, get like a little more taste of the future and, and what you're working on. 
I love that. Yeah, no, and thank you so much for, for the time, Gally. Like I said before, huge fan of HyperChange and everything that you're doing. Um, and I'm excited to, to have you over here and uh, to get into it. Definitely. And I'll put a link in the description, daddykit.com, D-A-D-I-K-I-T.com is your website. People can check it out and see what all the hype is about. But anyway, thanks again, Tom. We'll see you soon. And yeah, peace out, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out, everybody.